Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Nir Felder. You're listening to the Behind the Note podcast with Chris Davis. You're listening to Behind the Note podcast, brought to you by a musician for musicians. Here, you will get advice toward a successful music career. This show is made to educate, inspire, motivate, and empower. Now, here is your host, Chris Davis. Hey, how you doing today? Thank you for pressing play. This is episode number 31, and you're in for a great show. I have a great guest for you today. I'm going to tell you a little bit about him right now. He is an international musician, and some things that he is known for is performing with the Maria Schneider Orchestra, Christian McBride Big Band, and also the WDR Big Band, which is European-based in Germany. His mother and father are both musicians, and I'm telling you this because we didn't get into this, but his his father was a musical conductor in the armed forces, and his mother was a classically trained vocalist and pianist. So that's a little background on our guest today, and I am very happy to present to you today international trombonist freak of technique mr marshall jilks thank you marshall so much for joining us today we're so glad to have you thanks for having me chris now i just told the people a little bit about you but we want to get to know you a little bit better so tell us what do you like to do when you're not playing music wow there's a lot of things um well one of the biggest things i'm, I'm really into skiing I grew up all over the country, but last, uh, my, you know, my father was in the Air Force, but we lived in Colorado last when I was a kid. So, and my mom still lives there. So I go back as much as I can to ski. Yeah. I like to run. I like to cook, uh, even like to fish sometimes. So. What, what's your best dish that you cook? That's well, you know, I like to make homemade pasta. I've got a pasta roller. So sometimes I make homemade ravioli. So how long have you uh, been a musician? Oh, well, let's see. I, st- I started playing, you know, my first piano lessons, I think, were when I was six as a kid. And then uh, I started trombone in fifth grade, which I think must be around age 10. So I just turned 36 last week. So what's that? Uh, about 26 years I've been playing trombone. Right on. So how do you earn a, your living through music today? All kinds of ways. I mean, I, um, I play as a, you know, a member of several different uh, groups that tour including Maria Schneider Orchestra. Uh, I play a lot with, with a, a, har- a Colombian harpist named Edmar Castaneda. He has a trio that, that I've been a part of for quite a few years now, and we, we tour quite a bit. And in addition to that, I play, uh, you know, I do some things with my own group. Um, I'm, I'm doing more and more things where I go uh, take my, oftentimes my big band arrangements and go to universities and do uh, kind of clinics, workshops, and then a, a concert at the schools of my music um, and I, you know, just recently started maybe teaching, teaching a bit more than I was in the past. So it seems to have more and more people kind of contacting me to come, just come to my house and study, study with me. So, but, um, yeah, all kinds of different things. I mean, this past week I was playing, uh, well, I was going the last couple of weeks, the week before I was doing a, a, a recording session with, uh, Ed Neumeister is a great composer and trombonist, uh, who used to live in New York and is now, now teaches in Graz in Austria. So I was doing that, and then the following Monday, I was playing with a uh, singer and piano player from from Great Britain named Jamie Cullum at the Blue Note, and then ended up playing Friday, filling in with Christian McBride's big band. And uh, let's see, I'm playing tomorrow with kind of like a Jimmy Jufri style 
group here in New York, and then I'm trying to think what else this week. I'm doing a thing with a Cuban band. So, you know, I, I guess to answer your question, uh, I kind of do it as much as I can. You know, I, I really like not just playing jazz. I try to play as many styles of music as possible. And, uh, yeah, I guess to answer your question is a combination of teaching uh, mostly, I should say, a combination of playing. That's generally what I do. Mostly, I mostly teach, uh, mostly play, so, some teaching, and then, uh, but yeah, primarily I play to make a living. Yeah. Okay, I want to. We're gonna get into that a little deeper. But I want to ask you first: Did you ever have a traditional nine to five job? My first job ever. Well, my first jobs were mowing lawns when I was a kid. But and then uh, when I was in high school, I also worked. Uh, I was a vendor at the AAA team for the Colorado Rockies, which was based in Colorado Springs. So I used to sell, uh, you know, peanuts and, and, uh, Cracker Jacks and stuff like that. I wasn't young. I wasn't old enough to sell beer, but I, that's not a nine to five job. But then when I first moved, uh, a couple summers, uh, the first summer in between my first year of college, uh, between my first year and second year of college, I worked as a waiter at a restaurant called Chevy's in Colorado Springs. And then, um, when I first moved into New York, yeah, I, I did some work. Uh, well, first of all, as a waiter, I worked at a, a place called La Lanterna di Vittorio, which is kind of a was a Italian coffee and dessert place. Which ended up now, years later, they have a there's a bar uh, which is part of the restaurant downstairs where they have jazz trios every night. So it's it's kind of interesting. I worked there as a waiter when I first came to town, and then I've I've played in the past years with my own trio there now. <laughs> Some years later, and it's funny because the owner he always says, "Ah, oh, you came to beg for your job back." You know, he jokes around with me. That's funny. <laughs> but uh, but then I also after that I, I did some briefly, probably when I was about twenty years old, I I did a little bit of temp work in New York. So I just working for like like stock brokerages and stuff like that, like places where I was just answering the phone and stuff. You know, for a couple weeks at a time. I did that briefly, but. It's been quite some time now since I did anything like that. Yeah. And and at that point when you were temping, were you still in college or did you graduate at that point? No. Um what I what I did was kind of int- well, different path than most people, I guess. I went to I went to two different colleges for a year each. And then I then I quit. And I moved in I just decided, you know what, I want to move into the city right now and and uh, so I moved into New York and uh and so I started doing those, you know, I kind of did those jobs at first before I started playing enough to make a living. Um, and then some years later, I went back and finished my degree here in town um, and got like a, a graduate degree as well. And I'm, I'm assuming you continue to perform through, through that process. Is that, is that true? Uh, through the school process, you mean? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was, that was, that was tough. I mean, I was, I was finishing school, taking a ton of credits and then going each night to play anything from a a salsa gig to a to a jazz group or anything you know anything you know it was yeah i was yeah i continued to play and, and travel a good bit during that time as well which was pretty tough so yeah. tell tell us the story how you were able to pursue this career in in the early stages i went to school at william patterson university for one year the 1997-98 school year i met a trombonist who had i guess graduated the year before or left the school the year before by the name of paul lennick and um, so I met him, and then when I first moved to town, he happened to just call me to do to just to play a cover a salsa rehearsal for him here in in Brooklyn. And so I went there, and then I met another trombonist by the name of Chris Reinemann, and then he recommended me for a big band rehearsal. And so it was kind of interesting. It was kind of a chain reaction. And then that big band rehearsal, I remember meeting Alan Ferber, uh, as a great trombonist who lives here in town, and a great arranger as well. But um, and kind of via these people, it kind of you know, via Alan Ferber, actually, I ended up in 
I think he recommended me for an audition to play a tour of a Broadway show, which was in 2000, 2000, yeah, 2001, 2002, maybe. Um, um, but so kind of basically my point being is that kind of, it was kind of like a chain reaction. You meet one guy and then it leads to you meeting another guy and, and that just kind of spreads, you know, and then before you know it, you, you, know, you never know who you're going to meet where. And so, but I, if I really think about it, I can kind of trace it back to that first, uh, salsa rehearsal that i did in brooklyn yeah you started out as as a sub like a lot of people do yeah definitely yeah that's very important okay how were you able to go from from subbing to continue to perform and earn a living performing is that something that you that you like maybe planned out you know at one point no i <laughs> i wish i was that organized but uh no i i just kind of i, I think i I think I, I mean, I definitely really wanted it. And I, I, I kind of got myself in a position, you know, in addition to, I guess when I first moved to town, you know, to, to try to make a living, I was trying to do as much as possible. And my, my father had always kind of told me to be, just to try to, you know, try to, try to, you know, stress that I needed to be as versatile as possible. And what I did as a musician, just, you know, because you never know who's going to call to do what kind of concert or whatever. So, um, when I first moved to town, I had a roommate who was a, a guy I had gone to Interlochen with, the drummer, and he was really into Latin music and was really, he was listening at home oftentimes to timba music and stuff like that. And then also going out to check out uh, different uh, Latin groups in town. And um, I remember we went out to see, a, it's a great, a great timbale player, great percussionist named Ralphie Rosari had a group then called Timbalaye. But he also had a, uh, a a small group called Son Criollo. And anyway, so I went down with him to check it out. And I remember talking to the trumpet player and asking him for recommendations. What can I do to ha- Where can I go learn more about this music and learn more about it? Um, and he sent me to a place called Boys Harbor, which is a, a conservative conservatory up in, in Spanish Harlem. And on every Monday night... Um, some uh, veterans from the Tito Puente Orchestra and other great Latin big bands, they, they run a, uh, a, like a big band workshop, a Latin big band workshop. So I went up there and took my horn, and they needed a trombone player um, that day I went. And so I went, and before I know it, guys came up to me afterwards, hey, can you make my rehearsal this week? So also singer that I, I still play to, still play with to this day. And this was, go- I'm going back to like the year, going back to like 1998 or 1999. So... Yeah, I mean that's kind of. Uh, oh, sorry, what, sorry, what was your question? Oh no, no, no! <laughs> I kind of no, went no. on a tangent, man. <laughs> no, it's it's perfect. I, no, it, it, you actually answered the question. Um, just wondering how you're able to continue after after you first arrived and you started subbing. Yeah, I think just keep on. I mean, I, I I still sub. You know, I mean, I uh-huh. you know I, I you know I was subbing last week with with Christian McBride's big band. I'm not you know like when I met you, I was actually subbing with his band as well. Um, you know, I. Um, but to, to keep it, you know, I think to keep on, just keep on going and, and, and working on, on what you do. And, you know, before I knew it, you know, all of a sudden, you know, when I first, I, sometimes when I think about some of the groups that I play with as a full-time member now, whether it be with Maria Schneider, I mean, that, now that's, I just played on my second album with her, of hers, um, that's going to be coming out next year. But I think I first played with her back in 2008. Um, so that's all, all of a sudden already six years uh, it might have even been before that. It might have been 2007 the first time I performed with her. But uh, I think I'll continue to be a side man in addition to trying to be, you know, be a leader as well, because um, I, I feel like that's that that makes you a better better player. You know, if you only do what you like and what you want, then you don't really get exposed to new things. Oh, that's so true. And I kind of got 
in that position myself where the last maybe one to two years, I've only been playing in my own jazz group as far as jazz. I've done a whole lot of other types of performances. But uh, I had a friend come through, come back home, and I got to sit in with him. And that was so liberating to be able to play with someone else that's not your music. Yeah, and it forces you into things that you don't, maybe that you wouldn't normally play or knew, you know. I There was a student here today that came to take a lesson. At the end, of, we mostly worked on kind of technique, but at the end we started playing, and he was, we were just trading on over Cherokee. Um, but he definitely forced me to try to search for new things in the way I was playing, you know. Right, exactly. It brings you to a whole other level of awareness, I think, mm-hmm. in your mind. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, yeah. So I was reading up on you a little bit because I knew we were going to speak today. And I found out that you competed in Thelonious Monk competition. Is that is that accurate? Oh, that is. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And also the you are I don't know if you were or if you are a member of the WDR Radio Orchestra. Uh, I was. Yeah, I, I okay. recently I recently left the band and came back to New York. Yeah. OK, so which which happened first for you? Oh, well, the Thelonious Monk competition was some years ago. I think that was back in 2003. Okay. So how did that help your career, if at all? Did it help help your career at all? I think it's definitely name recognition. Some people saw that you were part of the competition and, and definitely maybe associated with that. Um, well, I, you know, I definitely met some people when I was there. You know, well, definitely the musicians, I, the other Tremonis I met there, you know, um, a lot of them I, I still see on a regular basis and play with on a regular basis and, you know, form friendships with, so... I think career-wise, I could say that, you know, it's definitely the people. You never know who you're going to meet. Even there's even some, there was even some kind of record executives that I met there that, uh, that I, I still run across here and there now, you know, and so they, you know, I actually just last week, one guy, uh, because I was, I was, had been discussed, uh, speaking to a publicist that he knew and she contacted him and, and he knew me because of that. So he had told her about me and, and whatnot, but I had met them there. So yes, I guess you know, definitely some connections there. I haven't, it's interesting you ask, I never really thought about that before. Yeah, well, I ask because I have never personally done a competition like that, but I have some friends and colleagues that have, and I I know it can be good for a career, and I was just wondering how it might have affected your career if you saw any direct impact, but meeting people, that's priceless. Yeah, you know, I I think that's, that's, yeah, that's the the most important thing is meeting people. I mean, it's... uh... If I think about it, that's the definitely the effect it had on me. I mean, I think about some of the guys in the in the. I'm still. I mean, most of those guys actually I still see on a regular basis. Some of them I'm really good friends with that were in the in the competition. So. So what is the WDR Big Band? And correct me if I said that wrong. No, that's correct. Um, I mean, that's how the, the they would say it in English. Um, in German, they say Verier Big Band, uh, which is uh, stands for Westdeutsche Rundfunk, which means West German Radio. B- basically, in Germany, you have. Each state has its own TV and, and, and radio uh, within within Germany. And uh, Nordrhein-Westfalen is, is the, the state where Cologne and Dusseldorf, Germany are, and Essen, Germany. And it's actually the most populated state. So if you took like our version, if you kind of like if you combine PBS and NPR in the United States, but then pump them full of steroids in a way. Because basically what it is, is there, you know, in, in a lot of countries in the world, you know, in, including, uh, you know, the BBC in Great Britain, 
And there's also, I know in Scandinavia has it, but it's basically, there's a fee for, for, for if, you ha- if you own a TV or radio at home, you have to pay a fee, which in, in Germany is called GEZ, Gates, Gates set is what they call it. And it's administered by a company called ARD, which is, this is, I'm talking about a huge company. So WDR, um, each household has to pay something like, I don't know, maybe it's 20 euros a month, which is about $28 right now. Um, for for having a TV and and radio at home, um, but when you plug in your TV there, you have, you know, just WDR alone has four TV stations. I think that are part of of part of its part of the company, as well as I don't I don't know five or six radio stations. And it's actually the biggest TV company, biggest TV station in Europe. In in Germany, there's uh, several other other ones. There's one in Bavaria called Bayerisches Rundfunk, uh, Bavarian Radio. They have. They're also a large one, but they don't have a big band. Only two of them have a big band, which is the HR Big Band, which is based in Frankfurt. Um, I mean, only two others have a big band, I should say. The HR Big Band, which is based in Frankfurt, and the NDR Big Band, which is based in Hamburg. And these are all three of these are full, full-time big band, big bands. Um, and so like the company where I was at, WDR, they also have a full-time symphony orchestra, a full-time radio orchestra, which is kind of more like what we would call a studio orchestra. And they also have a full-time choir. And these are all fully employed musicians that are part of the company. And so the WDR Big Band is like we, when I was there, we, we uh, um, I, was, I was in the band for four years from January 2010 until, uh, until the end of this past year, till December 2014. Okay, let me stop you right there. How did you get involved in the first place? I, I knew of the band primarily through, I originally heard the band when I was a kid. Uh, my brother had had a record um, that uh, the, uh, a, uh, a composer named Jim McNeely uh, had done with a band, with also with John Schofield, featured John Schofield and a couple other guys. The record's called East Coast Blowout. So I knew of the band. I love the record, and I knew of it, the band originally from that. Uh, that I probably learned about when I was about 18 years old. And then would see their name, especially when IAJE was still going on. I would see the band sometimes at different things, performing with uh, all kinds of great artists like Biquito de Rivera, different people. Um, and then about, I guess, early 2008, uh, trombonist John Fedchuk forwarded an email to me, which he had received from the bass player in the WDR Big Band, a guy named John Goldsby, basically saying that they had a vacancy and they were looking for somebody. And, uh, and John uh, Fedchuk sent it to me and said, maybe, hey, maybe you'd be interested in this. And, and I, th- I thought, yeah, I knew of those bands, the, the, the radio orchestras in Germany. And I thought, well, hey, I'll definitely, you know, in, inquire and learn about it. And, uh, I inquired, and then they asked me to, you know, to send some materials. And then the way that they hire people there, which is, which is actually really interesting, because it's kind of going to the topic of your of the, of this of of our conversation here, was is the way they hire people there. They they bring people. They they invite you to come work with the band as a member, basically. So they want to see how you not only how you play. But how do you fit in? How are you as a person as well? So the first time I went, they invited me to come for two weeks. And the band band rehearses slash records everything you do. So you rehearse and record in a studio with full-time engineers and everything on staff. Um, and it's almost always brand new arrangements. So the first time I went, it was a production for two weeks with Patty Austin. And uh, Michael Abeni was the conductor and had done the arrangements. And it was uh, kind of new takes on, on Duke Ellington things. And, um, and so I went for two weeks and it was, you know, it was, it was definitely interesting. I, you know, I'd never been... Never been been never been part of something like that because it's just it's just a different different kind of different mindset. You're basically as a musician, you're working 
every day from like, you know, you're in the studio from 10 till, 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 you know, till two thirty each day. And so, so that happened. And then, then some time went by. And so during this, during this period, they were trying out other guys as well. So during like over, over a year of, of trying guys out for a week or two based on the, the tapes and CDs that they had originally gotten. And then I don't know the following year I was invited to come back almost a year later, the following September. So September, 2009, and then I, I did a I played with the band two two different projects one with thing with Mike Stern, and then um, a thing with a singer who lives over there named Cecile Verny. So um, basically, I, at th- at that point, I had played with the band about five weeks, so I had a pretty good idea of what what the job was about and what it was. And then that December, they they offered me the position, and uh, and I accepted it. And they moved me to Germany, and I yeah I played in the band for four years. Please tell us what what's a day structure like. Well, this is, so it, it kind of depends on the project that they're doing. But I would say on average, a project there would be about two weeks long. And the first week would be, uh, generally the schedule would be you rehearse two to six, rehearse slash record, you know, so two, two to six, Monday through Friday, the first week, weekend off. The second week you might record slash rehearse, but primarily record Monday, Tuesday, then Wednesday they do a, a run through and, 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 Mondays are two to six. The rest of the week was generally ten a.m. till two thirty was what your schedule was. But sometimes, if you're done with things, you'd be gone. You might be home by by noon. <laughs> but um, the 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 second week generally there would be like on on Wednesday or Thursday of that week a a run through of everything, which they also record of the program. And then on Friday and Saturday, sometimes Thursday, Friday, Saturday, sometimes three concerts. Um, which would be usually oftentimes in places around that area or, um, you know, oftentimes in the Cologne Philharmonic, which is, I think it's a probably over 3,000 seats, and it would be packed every time we played there. There's big fans of the band and stuff. The band, in addition, sometimes would, would do some traveling. Um, once went to South Africa. We played in Oman. Um, we played in La Scala once in, in Milan, the great opera house. Also did a tour of Spain, but but primarily the band plays in the in the state of Germany where it's based. Wow, that's a like ideal job for a musician. It's like perfect. <laughs> it's interesting though. I mean, it's 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 a it's a pretty incredible job. You know, it's also one one thing though that was different for me that I can't. You know, I'm you know I think I was also I'm so used to performing uh, that it was that was a little bit hard for me to get used to always being in the studio. <laughs> oh, I see. There is a difference. Yeah. Tell tell us about the difference for those who might not have experienced one or the other. You know, I, I love recording, but it's a different thing than than going out and playing. You know, I th- I think that there's less room for error. You know, so that's one of the great things as a player that when you go out and play with a group, you know, if you're playing with your quintet or whatever you're doing or playing a solo, you know, you can you can you you can kind of search for things more, you know, and it's just kind of also just in general, just the process of going out and playing at night. I I like that or, or touring, you know, I like that thinking of my, of my day building up to a culminating in a concert in the evening, you know, and kind of the mental preparation that goes into that, you know, so it's just a little bit different thing. This is also different. You know, this is also different kind of recording because basically you're mostly playing in a big band. So you, you are soloing, but you're also primarily your job is to play section parts. So you're, you know, you have a microphone in front of you every day and you're, and you're reading parts down, you know, where, um, and I, and I think, uh, you know, and you're always playing with the same group, which is, which is, which is, is, is great. But I also think that, you know, by going out and playing out with diff- different groups all the time, that's like we were talking about earlier, you know, 
being a side man makes you a better player, you know? So, I mean, it's just, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm incredibly grateful that I had the, the opportunity to be there and play with the band. It's just, it was just an interesting, you know, it's interesting, interesting thing that I noticed that I never would have thought of before I went, but you know, just missing that, that process of going out every night and playing, you know, and, so are they using these recordings for their television and radio shows? Is that what the deal was? What the WDR does is like um, generally artistic. So it's, it's basically, you know, they, most of the, the programs will come out as a, as a radio broadcast specific to, okay, the, a guest artist that would be with the band. So let's say John Schofield was there one time while I was there. And so we record. They'll do actually in that case a live broadcast from the Philharmonic in Cologne, which you could hear. Actually, you can hear worldwide. So they, they actually... Most of their concerts, if you, if you, you know, if you if you follow them on Facebook or whatnot, they'll advertise. Okay, tonight's concert will be streamed live. You can click it here. So in the United States, it's two p.m. So if you're sitting at work or wherever you are, you can actually sit at work and listen to a live concert from the Philharmonic there when they happen, um, which is pretty interesting. Also, though, every now and then they would. Um, generally, once or twice a year, they would film something we did, and a concert would be broadcast on TV. So oftentimes, they I think generally yearly they would do a. A concert from Fiersen, Germany, um, which is a town not far, but they have a big, not far from Cologne. They have a big jazz festival there uh, every year, and and they would, you know, there would be film crews and they would film all that. Uh, you know, I would say ninety ninety nine percent of the time we're just recording, you know, with a guest artist, and it's basically kind of a production that they're going to do, and it's either going to be for radio or. Sometimes just sometimes it's recorded, but then it never airs, and it's just just ends up being a couple concerts at the end of the week, you know. Okay, I see. Yeah, it's it's pretty. It's kind of hard to imagine because we don't have anything like that here, you know. <laughs> yes, that's why I was I was asking about it. it. Sounds like a good opportunity. And is that something that one of us might be able to do? I guess I'm asking. How often are there openings or auditions? Not very often. <laughs> So, you know, if, if nobody, you know, in, in my case, it was a little bit rare that I left. It, it's not, most guys don't really leave the job. You kind of, once you're there, you get uh, like kind of like a lifetime contract. You're basically mostly waiting for an opening, which, you know, whatever chair you want, whatever instrument you play would be when somebody hits retirement age, which I think oh, now, I it, it now has become 67, if I'm correct. Oh, so, it's like getting an orchestra do- job in the States. Exactly. Yeah. It's, I it's see. Very. Yeah. So, but it's with, with many less musicians. So you're only dealing with 18 guys in the big band. So I think that the next chair, if I'm correct, that would open up there would probably be uh, the fifth trumpet chair, which. Hey, I play would, trumpet. Hey. hey, well, there you go, man. So look out, <laughs> look out. I think about, I think actually maybe about four years, four or five years, you know. I want to change gears a, a little bit. And I actually have a question from a trombone player who wants to know, how are you. How did you build up your flexibility? Because if you watch any videos of Marshall on YouTube, you see that he goes from one end of the horn from the bottom to the top in like half of a second. So like how 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 can someone build it up to that? Or what did you do to build that technique? I think first and foremost is that I, you know, I like to practice a lot. <laughs> but I, you know, I think a lot of the things I do and work on are kind of rooted in classical playing. So I, I've been kind of, I've been doing a routine classical routine for for many many years um kind of starting back in 96 with it i had a teacher trombone teacher great fundamental trombone teacher named buddy baker and he kind of got me doing a routine and so i you know i kind of started working just on pedal tones through that 
And then around that same time, there was a couple records of saxophone players that came out. That one, one is a, a record by Joshua Rebin called Freedom in the Groove. And he plays this, this kind of thing with subtones on the saxophone, or kind of like a slap tongue, kind of creating bass notes for himself. And then there's another uh, tune called Delta City Blues that Michael Brecker plays, which is kind of using the same, same not with a slap tongue, but kind of like using subtones on the saxophone to play bass lines that kind of outline the harmony. And so I, I kind of started trying to figure out how could I play this on trombone? How, did I, how I developed it was kind of first just trying to come up with a jump, you know, so practicing between pedal tone and an octave on the trombone. So like, uh, and, and then kind of adding then, okay, then an octave and a fifth, two octaves, you know, and kind of making exercise out of that. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I think that, I mean, that's kind of how I worked on it. Uh, that there's, there's an Arben's exercise that I've worked on sometimes kind of like where you bum, so doing those but with a pedal tone on the bottom as the fifth going to root starting you know and uh that and then just a lot of different standard things uh, standard flexibility that i just you know work on every day i mean i still still play my routine almost every day and it's kind of going from you know covering the whole horn all kinds of different things but in terms of the flexibility i mean what kind of inspired me to do that were those those you know the two saxophone players i'm talking about Joshua right. Redman and, and Michael Brecker okay thank you for sharing that with us too now now we have something to work toward for the people who are interested in developing that technique um i have another question for you i want to know okay what is your advice for a freelance musician as far as a daily schedule well, I, you know, I could, I've talked, talked, mentioned it a bit before, but like my daily routine that I do is kind of as much for working on technique as much as, as uh, maintaining things. So I feel like I've kind of come up with a routine now that I, if I only have an, in an hour to practice or even 40 minutes or half an hour, if I just hit that, at least, at least I feel like I covered, you know, most of the things that I'm going to want to try to play, like, uh, you know, um, on my horn, you know, but generally, you know, if I have a concert or something like that, I don't, I can't, you know, I don't practice too much because as a brass player, you know, there's only so much we can play and I still want to, I still want to feel strong on my, on my concert. So, you know, I, I do know some guys that practice regardless of what they have to do. They always practice two or three hours a day. And, you know, I, I, you know, I'm not that, that mindset. I think, okay, if I do my routine, then I'm warmed up for my gig and I'll do that later. And so, but then I, you know, I kind of believe in if, if you, if you have days where you do have a lot of free time, really take advantage of that free time and practice and, and, you know, structure it well. I mean, I, I, you know, I go through waves of working on different things, but, and that's kind of been my, my routine, practice routine lately, you know. How do you get the university performances or the, uh, or what, what do we call them? The clinics? Most of them actually just it, it, people that had maybe, the people that had heard me different places, maybe playing some of my big band arrangements and then decided, you know, I, you know, I, I think I got some, you know, I was, I was, I was invited as a guest last year uh, to play with the army blues big band and, and conduct them with my charts and then perform with them at the, at a trombone conference they do. And so I definitely met some guys through there. I think that contacted me later, but uh, most of the clinics and stuff I do are word of mouth uh, that people, people, Maybe either saw maybe some videos of me doing things, or, or heard my heard re- recordings of me, and uh, and then asked me if I would you know come to their school and do something you know. So I'm starting to put the pieces together, and it makes perfect sense actually. It sounds like you first of all you have your own music that you bring, so that mm-hmm. that says a lot right there. So you're you're actively writing, you have something to present, and then people see you perform. So you have to 
stay in the public eye. That's part of it. Mm-hmm. And you also mentioned that they see you in the videos. So that means you had to actually put videos up for people to see. So there's that part of uh, staying visible again. Most of the stuff I, you know, a lot of the videos I that are out there, I don't, I've only put two videos up of, of myself. So I think a lot of them were put by other people. I don't, you know, I don't know what that's. So I'm, I'm not really a, an expert on, um, on, you know, on how to, you know, like putting your own videos out there and stuff, you know, but, uh, yeah, so I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, but it it just proves the point that you're visible to the public through live performances and also as a result uh on social media or the or the internet. Right. And yeah. that goes a long way. So that's very good. How many CDs have you performed as a band leader? As a band leader, uh I have three small group records out and then I have a new a big band record that's going to be coming out uh, early next year. That, that I did with the WDR big band in Germany. Whenever it comes out, we're going to make some noise about it here on Behind the Note Podcast. And uh, we want to thank you so much for your time and, and sharing with us today. Thank you so much, Marshall. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for staying with us this far. This is episode number 31, and you were just listening to Mr. Marshall Jilk's trombonist. I'm going to have some nice things on the blog that you can check out of Marshall playing some YouTube clips and some recordings of him so you can hear him and, and support him and buy his out buy his records and that's all for today I want to say thank you one more time I'm so thankful that I'm able to serve you in this way through podcasting this is this is so much fun for me and I just want to say thank you for pressing play every day And I have a gift for you at BehindTheNote.com slash gift. And I'll see you in the next episode. God bless you.